So I want you to, in anticipation, jump on your feet and give God praise for Elder Yule Crawford. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. I love the praise of the Lord. Amen. I just want to, I have one prophetic word to give. Alonzo, if you would stand up. This morning, when I was standing next to you, I heard the Lord say that you have invested yourself regarding your physical body and you have disciplined yourself in that area. But now the Lord would have you to begin to pursue him spiritually in a new way. The Lord says no one knows the pain of your upbringing. No one knows what you went through as a child, as a teenager, and as a young adult. And the Lord says that, that you have, you, in earlier times here, you experienced some healing. But this is the year that you are supposed to pursue the Lord for complete healing. The Lord says that he has kept you alive for such a time as this. When the enemy tried to kick you out, the Lord said he stuck his hands and he grabbed you and he breathed into your lungs, resurrection life. And now the Lord says that he's going to begin to help you experience in-depth inner healing and wholeness like you've never known before. And, you, and, and the Lord says you've tried to do other things and make other things work and nothing has worked. But now the Lord says it's time for you to come after him with all your heart, with all your being. The Lord says for you to completely focus upon him. The Lord says humble yourself before him and watch him move in a miraculous way in your life, in your family. The Lord is going to make all things new for you as you obey him in this word. Amen. Come on, give, give the Lord praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your power, your presence, and we ask you now, Lord, that you would, you would release what you said to me earlier. Lord, the glory has already come into Atlanta. And Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, Kenny, you can show the first clip. Yes, you can see it. So much more. It's the ultimate sacrifice. Greatness has a cost. It reschedules your plans for you. It puts your family and friends on hold. It makes you feel misunderstood. And it will put you in some deep, dark holes. Greatness demands everything from you, your mind, your body, your spirit, and your soul. So what do you do when you shoot four air balls in a playoff game? What do you do? Do you sulk? Do you weep? When you disappointed all of your teammates, when you let down all of the fans, do you ask for sympathy? Do you ask why me? When they blast the coach for keeping you in the game, do you blame yourself? When they've drawn up their own conclusions about how your career is going to end, do you wish you could go back in time and make a different decision? Or do you get off of the plane and go straight to Palisades High and get the janitor to open up the gym and lock yourself in there until the sun comes up? You go shoot, and you drill, and you relive that moment, and change the outcome over and over again. Decisions shape our destiny, and obsession can be beautiful. But separating me is not a gift. 
it was a hunger. A hunger to hunt when others would eat. A hunger to hone in when others thought they perfected. They had a crossover. They. I want you to say the words ripped in pain. We started the series with the message, Rest in Peace. Pastor Tiffany shared with us about warring from a position of rest and not from a position of anxiety. That we have the right to it. There are things in Christ that we have the right to, but we have to war for it. There's an operative question that went with this message. What war within, without? Do you have to fight and win to receive the harvest that God has for your life? General MacArthur said, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. Bishop Johnson came and he ministered on the resurrected in power. What dies in Christ resurrects in power. The operative question he asked in his message, what do you have to die to in order to receive the increase, the harvest that's coming to you this year? I want you to answer that question. What do you have to die to in order to receive the harvest that God has for you this year? What weakness do you have to acknowledge? Bishop Johnson focused uh, tremendously on this area of weakness. Because the issue is this, the Lord will perfect his strength in our weakness if we admit it to him. Our admittance of weakness attracts the presence and power of his greatness. He will perfect his strength in the arena of your weakness. Today we're going to talk about ripped in pain. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 19th through the 22nd verse. Thank you, Bishop Johnson, for your notes. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that veil is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's very interesting that only the high priest could enter in through the veil. When the veil was torn, On the cross, meaning Christ's body was torn, a new and living way was made for you and I to go behind the veil. The veil of the temple and the veil of Christ Jesus' flesh is interconnected. The rending of one was the rending of the other. As Christ's body was rended on the cross, The veil was rended in the temple. Come on, saints. God accepted one, that is Christ, and finished the other. When the temple was rent, it said that God finished. He was finished with the old way. He was finished with the temple. And when Christ's flesh was torn on the cross, a new covenant was inaugurated. A new priesthood emerged. A new sanctuary arised. A new nation was birthed. A new creation was emerged. That occurred as Christ's flesh was torn. I was looking at this yesterday. When Christ's flesh was torn, his flesh was torn so that the benefits of redemption could be lavishly um, poured out upon us. I was looking at Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. It says, surely he was born. 
He carried, he carried our griefs. Now, this word griefs mean, it means not only just sadness, it means anxiety, calamity. It means disease. And he says, and carried our sorrows, which means our anguish. On the cross, he carried our frustration. He carried childhood wounds, emotional pain, mental diseases. Lord have mercy. He took all forms of sickness, disease, grief, sorrow, sadness, and distress upon the cross in our place and dispensed healing on us when the new and living way was created through the veil, that being his flesh, being torn, releasing his life-giving blood. In another passage in the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I believe it's the second verse, it says in a new, uh, I think the Passion Translation, his example, Jesus' example is this. Who for the joy that was set before him, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you and I would be his, he was ripped in pain. Come on, saints. He endured the agony of the cross, conquered its humiliation, and now sits on the right hand of the throne of God. He was ripped in pain. He experienced sorrow first, and then glory followed. The joy of seeing the redeemed was the fruit of his death and the resurrection. I think I missed something, but anyway, if you could play the seals. Can you picture four hours of exercise in the morning? And that was the first phase of training. Yes, sir. My God. Paul actually gives us a picture of being ripped in pain. In 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the 22nd through the 23rd verse, he gives us a description of what it means to get ripped in the spirit. How many of you want to be ripped in the spirit? We're going to talk about this. Paul said to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run 
in a race. All run, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Tell a neighbor next to you, run in such a way that you may win. And the verse goes on. Everyone who competes in the exercises, exercise self-control in all things. Everyone who competes in the games, exercise self-control in all things. And another translation said those who, those who, um, who um, execute or participate in the games, they move in such a way that they may gain mastery. They, they, they move in such a way where they give everything they have. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Then Paul says, therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body, making it my slave, so that after I have preached others, I myself will not be disqualified. Ice Cube said, I must check myself before I wreck myself. I must check myself before I wreck myself. What does it mean to run in such a way as to win? Discipline is doing what you really don't want to do so that you can do what you really want to do. The path of least resistance will not get you where you need to be. It's very interesting that the allurement of comfort seduces so many to walk away from their God-given dream. Comfort is a seducer. And for many people, Comfort is their idol. For some people, they worship comfort. That's why they can't serve God. Because they are in prison, entombed in comfort. The beliefs of the seals is that when you feel like you have reached the end of your rope, you have 60% more potential than you are even aware of. When you think you have nothing else to give, they say you have 60 more percent to give. I, I know this is true. Years ago when I was involved in martial arts, I never forget it. I never forget it. The man said, he said, he said when you have nothing left, that's when your best karate manifests. I did not believe it because we practiced to a point where literally you felt like you were falling out. I remember um, going for a, a, a high belt and someone told me, they said, it's gonna be easy and you will only have to do all your forms one time you will only have to do your speed drills one time. And so we ended up having to do all of our forms from white belt up to black belt. We had to do them four times. And we had to do our speed drills four times. My wife was there. And she saw me as I was going through the blocks, uh, blocking drill. She saw me. And she looked at me and she said, because I said to myself, should I just fall down? <laughs> because I was so thirsty. And I, I mean, I was at this place where I was just hovering about just passing out. So I was asking myself, how would I do it? And at, and at that particular time, my wife, was very bold, she went up there and said, my husband is a diabetic and he needs some water. And the, the referee said, well, 
uh, uh, we normally don't give them water. They're supposed to go through the whole thing. And so they let me take a sip. It was about this much water. <laughs> and the next portion of the drills was that we had to fight. Oh, my God. And I said, okay, in my mind, in my mind, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And, and, and so what they put in front of me was someone who was six foot five. And I had to spar with them. And I had to spar in such a way. And I want to tell you something. When we finished that day, I experienced the exhilaration of doing something I never thought I could do. I experienced what it meant to, to go beyond what you thought were your reserves. Because I had to spar in such a way, I had to execute punches, I had to, I had to execute kicks, I had to, to exhibit uh, uh, the blocks, I had, I, I had to do that, and, and it couldn't be flimsy. It, it had to be there. It, and so, in a way, I said, Lord, I was, I was praying under my breath. I said, God, you help David in battle. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> and by the grace of God, I won uh, that sparring. And... Um, it was, it was the grace of God. Really what happened, muscle memory took over. Muscle memory took over. When I, when I didn't know what to do, muscle memory took over. Discipline created the muscle memory. Discipline of going to practice early in the morning, going to practice 12 noon, going to practice in the evening. It created the muscle memory. So anyway, we're talking about being ripped in pain. I was asking the Lord about Metro City Church, and I, I'm going to push this. In the movie, The Karate Kid, the Karate Kid was, was actually doing certain drills, they were circular drills, and, and you know, lower block drills, you know, high blocks, and, and, but he had to do those drills by just scrubbing, shining. But the interesting thing about it, he became frustrated about the drills he, he was actually doing. And he said, I want you to teach me karate. When are you going to teach me? And I was sitting before the Lord, and the Lord says, some of us at Metro are like this. We're saying, Lord, we've been doing this thing so many times over and over, and we've been training, training over and over. We've been training, training over and over. But the Lord says, you're going to find out in days to come that the training you've been undergoing has not been a waste. In fact, the Lord says that he sees this church, he sees this people, he sees this congregation being able to handle 10 10,000, 10,000. The Lord says he's created enough leaders in this church to handle 10,000. You don't understand the training that we have gone through year after year after year. The Lord says it's meaningful. You're going to begin to see in days to come and not too far from here that God is going to manifest this. Timothy said in the last days, men would be lovers of pleasure. You know, I would say the job of the bishop is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable.
It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Miles Monroe made a statement. He said, when he died, he want to be empty. Now the question I want to ask, I want you to answer. I've asked myself this question. What will it take for you to be empty? What, now you, you really need to answer this question. What will it take for you to be empty? Have you written all the songs that God has placed inside of you? What will it take for you to write all the songs that God placed inside of you? When are you going to start writing the songs? When are you going to start writing the plays? Have you started the businesses that God put inside? Have you, or what will it take for you to be empty of all the business God has placed inside? What will it take for you to be empty of every stream of income God has placed inside of you? What will it take? I am so sorry, man. Thank you. I want you to answer this question. What will it take for you to die and be empty? of all the potential God has placed inside of you. What will it take for you to die and you have emptied yourself every talent, every gift he's placed inside of you? Are you close? If you died tomorrow, would you be close to being empty? What's your program for being empty? I've learned something in life. You have to choose your pain. Many times, our flight from discipline is because of the pain we know we're going to experience. But if we run from the pain of discipline, we run into greater pain. Either you choose the pain of discipline or you choose the pain of regret. The pain of discipline weighs ounces, but the, the pain from regret weigh tons. Either you choose the pain of exercise or you choose the pain of arthritis or the pain of heart disease. Either you choose the pain of dieting or you choose the pain of disease. Which one are you going to choose? You can't have middle of the road. Either you're going to choose the pain of completing your education or you choose the pain of not being able to provide for your family. Which pain will you choose? Either you choose the pain of giving up cigarettes or you choose the pain of lung cancer. Which pain are you going to choose? Either you choose the pain of working on communication in your marriage and your family or you choose the pain of divorce and a broken family. Which pain will you choose? Either you choose the pain of apologizing and forgiving or you choose the pain of Bitterness and being by yourself for the rest of your life. Either you choose the pain of breaking the habit of drug addiction or you choose the pain of destroying your whole family's future. Either you choose the pain of studying and mastering a subject or you choose the pain of wanting more in life and having less. Either way, you're going to hurt. Either way, you're going to hurt. It's just a matter of time where you end up experiencing the pain that, that, that's the result of instant gratification. God gives us choices in the realm of self-control. God wanted to give Adam the earth, but Adam insisted on the tree, and he gave him the tree. 
Samson wanted, Samson wanted, God wanted Samson to be a judge and to be a successful judge. But Samson wanted Delilah more than he wanted to lead Israel. And God gave him Delilah. God gave Solomon all the wisdom and riches beyond all humans. But Solomon wanted temple women who worship other gods. So God took the kingdom and let him have the temple out of women. What are you holding on that God wants you to release? Come on, saints. What are you holding on that God wants you to release? I was listening to Mara. Um, Bishop mentioned this gentleman before, to me before. I never, and I never listened to him. And I, I, by mistake, I was watching television. And, he, and Mauro, Mario Murillo was preaching. And I'm, oh man, I keep, I am, I know what I'm gonna do. I know exactly what I'm gonna do, sir. I'm gonna put it right here. Yep. And Mario Murillo said this about California. He said, the glory is here. He said, some are waiting for the glory to come but the glory is here. And then I heard the Lord say, the glory is in Metro Atlanta. The glory is in Georgia, but few discern the weightiness of his visitation. The Lord gave me this picture of, of the whole, the, all of Atlanta being filled with gas and all the gas needs is the accelerant of some believers who are on fire. And once the believers are on fire are released, we're going to see the manifestation of his glory. The grace of creativity is upon Metro City Church to birth music that will disciple the nations. But we don't discern the immensity of the anointing and the arts that God has given us. The worship and the intercession of Metro has changed literally this whole region. How many of you know when we came here, it was so antagonistic, but our church being here has changed the atmosphere. The effects of worshiping God provides a place for God to dwell on earth in all his fullness. Metro, when you worship God in this region, you establish a throne for God among the nations. Worship provides an opportunity to encounter God in all of his fullness. But you know something? God can anoint us to write music, to write plays, to, um, to, to advertise the arts to all the world. It takes discipline. And we have to get ripped in the spirit. It's one thing to receive a word about music. It's another thing to, to, to manifest that word by actually doing it, by the actual work of creativity. I, mean, I was sitting down studying um, the discipline of people like Madonna. Uh, I'm sitting down, uh, um, Taylor Swift. Uh, sitting down, I mean, literally, I mean, just had this whole exercise of just going through all these people. And you find out that the people of the world have a discipline that you would not believe regarding the gifts and talents that God has placed inside of them. And we act like all we have to do is get up and move in the spirit. But the world prepares itself. The world gets up in the morning and, and, and at four o'clock in the morning and work. And then, and then they eat breakfast. And then they get back to work. And then they work until there's pure perfection. I'm not saying that we got to be like that, but I believe the Lord is saying it's time for us to not be enamored by our own comparing ourselves to ourselves, but begin to compare ourselves to the level that God wants us to move in. Amen. Okay.
I remember when the man of God came to Metro and he instructed Metro to pray two hours in the spirit daily. I remember doing that discipline, man. But you know something? You know, one person in this church walked this discipline all the way through, Lady Carolyn. And as she walked that discipline of praying in the spirit two hours a day, there was a transformation of her moving from just operating the gift of prophecy to moving in the office of a prophet. It's one thing to stir the gift of prophecy, but when you sit in the office of a prophet, I want to tell you something, the office stirs the person. What would happen if healing, if what would happen? We're in a purely Jewish community. I want you to think about this. What would happen if the people behind us who had sick people in their house and that person had been sick for the last 10 or 15 years and they made their way into this house and God healed that person. So, do you know what would happen? All those people who don't believe Jesus Christ will come to know him. What would happen if, if, if we go to Piedmont Park and a person who, who literally has one leg and one eye and Frederick walk up to them and began to pray for them and all of a sudden legs begin to grow out and an eye appears. How many of you know all of Piedmont Park will come to the Lord Jesus Christ? What would happen in little five points? People who are worshiping all kind of gods, don't, they're confused. <laughs> and you walk up to them and they have a child that's had leukemia. And that child is with them and that child is close to death and they have only given that child a month to live. And one of us say, just can I pray with you? And God heals that child on the spot. The reason the enemy comes against our identity because he does not want us to know who we are. And he doesn't want us to discipline ourselves so that the anointing of God will flow from our lives. I'm here to tell you today that we're in a season where the Lord wants to move in signs and wonders. The Lord wants us to go among the hedges and highways and pray for men and women so that they can experience what we have read about in the book of Acts, what we read about regarding Jesus Christ. Jesus said, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. Jesus said, Greater, 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 greater work shall I do. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you. Truthfully, I say unto you. I really mean what I'm saying. Greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. So if the question is, if the Lord says that about us and we can do that, what arena of discipline must we walk in so that we are flowing in this area. I want to close with this. As I was praying, and I know this is a different type of message, I believe the Lord is calling each and every one of us. It's easy to think about only one person who's moving in signs and wonders. But you know something? God wants to change the face of this where every person inside of this church 
Lord have mercy, is a mobile, is a mobile encounter retreat wherever you go. He wants to do that. He wants you to be able to walk in your office and someone is sick and you say, can I pray for you? And you pray for them and their sickness disappears and you walk away, you walk away. And then before you know it, they, they, they've been talking to everybody. Oh, you know, I pray, I, so-and-so pray for me. I, I was sick and I was, you know, and, and pray for me. And, be, and before you know it, everybody hears and they say, can you pray for me? It happened to me before we experienced a revival on the campus. I never forget, man. I never forget. This lady came to me. I was working in a nursing home, and she said, she said to me, uh, will you pray for me? I'm really sick. She, she was actually working uh, in the kitchen. I was working in the kitchen, and she said, pray, would you pray for me? And, and she said, you know, I'm really sick. I'm about to have a diabetic crisis. I said, you just go up to the nurse's station. They can take care of you. She said, no, I want you to pray for me. And then so what, what I did, I turned around, and, and, and I, I, said some, I said, if I pray for you, you'll go to the nurse's station? She said, yeah, I'll go to the nurse's station. So I turned around and said, you know, you know, in Jesus' name, be healed. And I just said it in a flippant way. And you know something? God healed that woman on the spot. I was so completely shocked. And, and then she went and told somebody else, and they asked me to pray for her back. And that person's back was healed. And before you know it, during lunchtime, we were meeting in the back of the nursing home. And the whole nursing home in the back was filled with people who were hungry for Jesus. The, the person who, who, who owned the nursing home came to me and said, you know, Mr. Crawford, we, we can't do this here. Um, <laughs> He said, we can't do this here. And so what happened? I didn't know nothing about starting no churches. I said, well, we could go to somebody else's house. And we, we met in somebody else's house. And man, and God moved in a spectacular way. And, it was, and during that time, I didn't know what, what I was doing. I think God was able to use me because I didn't know what I was doing. Why am I sharing this? It's time, Metro. It's time. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. I know you're waiting on some, some big epic moment to take place, but how many of you know? It's interesting. The atmosphere of revival is here. You feel it every morning, but we haven't stepped over. We haven't stepped over into that place of unlimited power that God wants to release. The enemy wants us to think that it cannot happen. But the Lord is saying to us today, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, greater works shall I do because I go to the Father. But you know something? There's a price we pay for walking in a greater anointing, a greater, a greater level of anointing. For some of us in this room, it's going to mean that your prayer life shifts. Some of you in this room, it means that your devotional life has to shift. Some of you, the 15 minutes you do every day by yourself, that's dry to you. It has to, it has to change. It has to shift. Some of you, man, I mean, some of you who pray and you just pray catalyte prayers, but the Lord is saying, if we want to move in that dimension, if we want to move in that dimension, the Lord says he wants to release personal revival in our lives so that we can carry revival fire to where we are and even to our neighborhoods. The Lord says that as we, as we begin to hunger, we must recover our hunger and our passion for the things of the Spirit. I'm closing. Catherine Kuhlman, who used to come to this church, come in this building. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I was reading a story about her last night. She made up in her mind. She did not want to move in signs and wonders by sensationalism. She didn't, want, she didn't want to do that. She said, no, that's not my style. I'm not going to make the people feel bad and make the people think that, that they're the reason why they're not healed. She said, that's not going to be my code. And so she said in a meeting, I just talked about the Holy Spirit. I just talked about the Holy Spirit. I lost, she said, I lost everything. She said, I have nothing. I have given up everything to God. And she stood in that meeting and she said, I just talked to them about the Holy Spirit. 
I just talked to them about the Holy Spirit. She said the next day when we had meetings, people said, can, can I come on the stage? You know, last night when you prayed and while you were preaching, my, 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 I, I, I was able to walk. I was able to walk. I was blind. I was able to see. And she began to experience a rush of signs and wonders that defied the imagination. She made up in her mind, I don't want to be like the people who just sensationalize the gifts. And I believe God wants us to move naturally, supernaturally. He wants us to be able to pray for people and not say, come out. No, he wants us to be able to pray for people, put our hands on them and be able to say, Lord, heal them in Jesus' name and walk away. God wants us to move this way. But how many of us are willing to pay the price? There's a price the Lord wants us to, to pay. We must regain our fire. We must regain our fire for prayer, for fasting, our fellowship with the Lord. Those of us who move in the gifts of the Spirit, the Lord wants you to stir your gifts. And if you are an evangelist, you need to understand <laughs> the office will stir you, Lord have mercy, if you would give yourself to the Lord. Some of you, some of you, your TV time is gonna be cut in half because of your hunger and because your desire of wanting to be used. We can't pay for the anointing. We can't pay for the anointing. It's a gift. We don't treat the anointing like it's, it's some type of commodity. It's part of what we receive for being a believer. His anointing within us. And when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon us for power. The anointing inside of us conforms us into Christ. But the anointing upon us uses us to dispense Christ to others. The anointing within us is for us, but the anointing upon us is for others. And we can cultivate that anointing together. As the church, Emma Stock said, She's now one of a world-shaking prophetess in, in, in Europe. And she said, you know, I started off by just prophesying to the cars. I prophesied to people. She said, I prophesied to everything around me. She said, I prophesied. I prophesied. And then she said, I began to step out and I began to give the word of the Lord. I messed up a couple of times, but she said, I pressed into it because I knew I was called. She said, she moved beyond the shame. And now today, the Lord is using her to rock a whole continent, Emma Stocks. You know something, when you begin to move this way, you have to choose between your dignity or your passion for him because you're going to blow it. You're going to mess up. You're going to give a wrong word. You're going to say something. You're going to do something. But, but you learn from that and you grow. How many of you this morning, you believe that God has placed his hands on you to move in the greater works? You hunger for that. You want that to occur. I'd just like for you to stand. I don't want you to stand if you don't want to stand. It's all right to... To not want to do it, God can deal with you at night. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Tiffany said, choose your pain now or later, but he's going to have his way. He's going he's, he's gonna to have his way. I, and so I'm talking about this price. The Lord was very, 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 he was very um, um, straight up with me on this. The price of prayer, the price of fasting, the price of spiritual disciplines, the price of reading the word. Many of you in here, the Lord showed me last night, you don't read the Bible. The word is not in you. Some of you only have the capacity to read the Bible 10 minutes. You can read books, but you can't read the Bible. 
But the Lord wants that to change because we need to ingest the word of God. We need to ingest. Bishop Johnson suggests that we get on our knees and pray Psalms 119. I'm going to tell you something. It'll change your heart and attitude about the word of God. You start praying Psalms 119. It'll change your heart. Part of the price we have to pay is that we, may, we have to fall in love with people. We have to move out of our shell and we must be willing to put our hands on the sick. We must be willing in our hearts. We must want to, to, to condition ourselves to be sensitive to the gift of discerning of spirits so that we can, we, we, don't, wanna know, we don't want that gift so that we know people's business. We want that gift so that we could be vessels, so that we can be vessels to lay our hands. We can see what's wrong with them, Pastor Tiffany. You have that ability. Lord, we thank you, Father. We, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, it's not just for people on the stage. It's for you and I. The working of miracles. One man of God says that there are nine gifts. And if there are nine gifts of the Spirit, then that means at least one out of every nine people in the church is able to flow in working of miracles. Come on, saints. That means that there are at least ten people in this building right now who has the gift of working of miracles. It's religion that keeps us chained. It's religion that makes us think that it's somebody else. It's religion that makes us think. But today we defy religion. Today we step into our destiny in the Lord. Today we make the decision, Lord, we want revival. We want revival. We want a move of God. We want you, Lord. Lord, we cannot live peacefully unless we have this community. Lord, you placed us in this building. And Father, we thank you that you would give us opportunities even this summer to pray with men and women, that we would shed every shred of racism inside of us, that we would, sh we would shed it, that we, there would be such a holy brokenness in us regarding any aspect of racism inside of us. Lord, that you would remove it from us so that we could see dying humanity the way you see it, so that we could have compassion upon those who are hurt, those who are brokenhearted. Oh God, give us eyes to see those who are brokenhearted. Give us eyes to see those who are in crisis. Give us eyes to see people the way you see them. Lord, give us eyes to see the kingdom of God the way you see it, Lord. Give us eyes, Lord, to see the kingdom the way you see it. Lord, give us eyes to see it. The kingdom, you said, draws nigh. The kingdom is within our reach. The kingdom is within our reach. Your kingdom rules of all things. Your kingdom is full of miracles. Your kingdom is full of healing. Your kingdom is inside of us and Lord we thank you for the release of your power in our lives in Jesus name Amen